Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing in any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite, and that is whoever is running marketing. I'm Mike Linton, the former chief marketing officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Tom Seklo of Spencer Stewart. Today's topic, an executive search perspective on marketing and the CMO position. Now, Tom has been with Spencer Stewart, one of the best search firms in the country for nearly 25 years after starting his career in advertising where he worked at Foot Code and Belding. Now that I know for some of our listeners is a blast from the past and he worked there 13 years. He specializes in CMO and customer experience searches. Uh, and full disclosure, I have known Tom for quite a long time as our paths crossed at Procter & Gamble uh, I was a little assistant brand manager on Safeguard, and Tom's now wife was my account executive uh, at the agency. So we have known each other for longer than I care to admit. So welcome, Tom. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure to be with you. Okay, so here's the setup. Tom has been watching marketing uh, for a number of decades, and he's seen just about every situation. I think he said, he told me ahead of this, Spencer does 5,000 searches a year, and a, a lot of those are marketing. He's going to fill us in in a minute. He's watched endless turnover. He's watched all the agencies change in and out, a lot of CMOs change in and out, as everybody's looking for the best marketing, the best sales they can get at the lowest possible cost. We're going to go deep on that topic. So first, Tom, let's start by you just telling me, give us an overview of Spencer and then a little bit on the marketing searches that you all do. Sure. So um, Spencer Stewart's a, a retained executive search firm where we call ourselves a leadership advisory firm these days because um, while we do exec search and it's the mainstay of what we do, we've added a lot of other services that um, that consult to uh, the C-suite. So um, team effectiveness, culture, uh, a lot of work around boards, boards effectiveness, uh, executive assessment, et cetera. So that, that's what Spencer Stewart does. And, and the way we're organized is we have people who specialize in all sorts of things, uh, industry specialists, um, as well as functional specialists. So a functional specialist would be CFOs, CIOs, and yes, marketing. And how many of those 5,000 searches how many of those are marketing searches? And then tell me what yeah. you're seeing that marketing is evolving is, is the other thing I think it's going on. Yeah, I think roughly 10% of those are marketing searches and about 200 of those are um, uh, chief marketing officer searches. And one of the things that's a little deceptive is the titles or uh, maybe not deceptive, but changing is the titling. And um you know, I think it, it, for a long time it was VP of marketing was the top marketer in an organization, and right. then it's um, SVP. And then to reflect that it's a uh, a C-suite role, it became chief marketing officer. But then there have been additive uh, functions that go along with that, and sometimes it's now called chief revenue, chief growth, chief commercial officer. To reflect the and you yourself 
had one of those at Ancestry where yeah. we were proud to have, proud to have placed you. And the the thank you. Um, yes, uh, uh, and it reflects you know a broader set of responsibilities. Sometimes um, there's corporate communications thrown in there. Sometimes there's sales in those roles, and there are other pricing or other responsibilities. So the marketing job has evolved like crazy over time. And yeah. and also a lot changed across industry during COVID. Tell us the state of the marketing job right now. You mentioned it's evolving like crazy, but talk about some of the pressures on it and then what COVID did to that. Sure. So I, I think at its core, marketing is still very much the same the core of it is the same, which is understanding the customer, whether that's a consumer or a business customer, understanding how to reach them, understanding what motivates them, understanding um, their interest in competitive products, pricing, et cetera. I mean, that's what a marketer's core responsibility has and I think will continue to be. What's changed about it is all that other stuff that gets added to it. So when something new comes along and largely through technology, there are added responsibilities that, uh, and I think more so than other functional officers, and I do compare notes with my functional peers within Spencer Stewart anyway, about how the job has changed and gotten much more complex. Um, for example, when um, <clears throat> marketers have uh, the internet uh, as a source, as a channel, acquisition, retention, and CRM are added to the plate. When marketers have social media, um, which was a large part of it was related at one time to what corporate communications did or brand PR did, and all of a sudden that becomes part. So it's and for the marketer. And I think that accelerated during the pandemic, that um, there was a lot more and that, that, that has been heaped upon uh, a marketer's responsibilities. And there has been the pressure to take or not take social stands on top of that. So, so, so that is, but so this has been a job that's evolving like crazy. But one thing that hasn't evolved in the job like crazy is the job still turns over faster than any other C-suite job, I think, by, by yep. a pretty good factor. Yeah, we've been running that study for a number of years and it gets picked up a lot. In fact, I think it gets picked up more than anything else that our firm puts out is the CMO tenure. And I, I think a lot of people conclude um, immediately that marketers get fired um, when that isn't necessarily the case. Yes, marketers do get fired. We can talk about some of the reasons why that happens, um, but they often move on to other jobs. I think a lot of um, the, <clears throat> the jobs underneath a CFO or a CHRO or a CIO um, ladder up to uh, a functional lead, which can be a terminus career-wise. For marketing, not necessarily so. Uh, marketers can go on into other jobs in companies, which happens. Uh, they also become marketers in other companies. And I think part of what drives it as well is marketers tend to be a curious group. Um, they have much more... Uh, Curious career. is such an interesting word, Tom. Well, it, it <laughs> is a career promiscuity because you, <laughs> you become interested in other things. I mean, I was just thinking while you were describing yourself at the beginning of this, um, there is no relationship between the companies where you have been CMO. And I think what happens, and you can talk about it yourself, is you start to feel um, 
<clears throat> a diminishment in the value and new ideas and freshness that you're going to bring. And on the other side, you get curious about something else that's going on outside in the world. Um, so it may be of your own doing. We do see that there is less turnover um, during more difficult economic times, probably because there isn't as much opportunity. Oh, is that right? So, so uh, for 20 years, though, this has been the fastest turning job of all of them. I think you guys started the survey in uh, 2003, maybe. Um, so is there any, and I get all the career things you talked about and the chance to move, but 20 years is such a long time. You'd think some other function with IT or something would would have superseded it, but it's 20 years straight, fastest turning job. Is there some systemic issue here with the way the job's structured or managed or the expectations of the job are less clear? Um, there are some issues around the expectations, which I'll talk on in a second, but just to make my point, that I was talking about before with some statistics, 77% of exiting CMOs are either promoted or go on to a similar or bigger role at another company last year. Wow, that's that's actually more encouraging. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and, and, and of the 27% are promoted to a bigger role in their current company. Got it. 10% go on to a general management role, the non-marketing job in another company. And then 23% either retire or pursue something outside or haven't landed somewhere. Excellent. Thank you for that. So tell us, though, when you look at the job and the expectations. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, because that's marketing is kind of where the customer, the company, and the technology meet. And there's a lot of pressure to get that right at speed. And there's never enough time to keep up with all the technology and the consumers and test everything. Talk to us about kind of the structure of the job, what you're seeing, how the job is managed, and, and then we'll talk about how companies can get the most out of them. Yeah, so the structure of the job, I mean, and that's reflected in the title that I talked about is that you know companies uh, have to put together the pieces of the organization that are gonna work for them. Uh, and sometimes it's different, even in the same industry with competitive companies, you know, that they'll, the, the communications person, the PR person that is, um, may report to the CMO, may report to the CEO. They may have a whole ESG function, you know, depending on what the, the business is. Um, I, I do think that one of the trends in progressive companies has been to align more of the commercial ends of the business. I mean, you probably remember this clearly, but um, in CPG days, and particularly uh, long ago, the greatest relationship friction was friction was between the sales and marketing. Right. Right. Not anymore. In fact, most of those are aligned. You know, when I talked about those titles, and a lot of the functions are integrated now, and it's because they're using the same data. You know, it's they're using, they're leveraging each other's data, either the data for their retail customers or the data for the consumer, but they sort of go hand in hand. And, you know, your sales lead is not battling you for uh, budgets. And I mean, they, they may, but um, there, there's more uh, overlap than there is um, discourse. I agree with this. The other thing that has happened is you can track a lot of the sales that come through digitally 
very crisply. And so the entire performance marketing component is now a measurable component. It's not yeah, perfect, it's but you can, and, and that is a direct translation to sales, sometimes to the detriment of the brand side, but surely uh, it gets you completely aligned with sales and, and sometimes with uh, the financial team as well. So, so give advice to first time CMOs or people that want to be CMOs on how to navigate this structure yeah. and expectation thing. Well, I think it's going to one of your earlier questions about, you know, where CMOs come off the rails. And we hear it a lot when we're first getting briefed on assignments, when when we are replacing somebody and either from the CEO or divisional president or the CHRO. Um, but it, it, it's usually because a lot of a lack of alignment in what the goals are and what they want, what they think a marketer does in an organization. And it's interpreted differently. And it's one of the fascinating things about marketing. And uh, you can kind of tell who are celebrated with any industry um, by who the rock stars are in, you know, in technology companies, it tends to be the product engineers. In banking, it's people who came up from being loan officers at one time. In retail, it tends to be the merchants. And that, you know, is sort of their lens on marketing to start with. And you have right. to appreciate that. From the starting point and then understand what the expectations and what the in particular what the measurements are for uh, marketing success and if the marketer is you know focused on things like brand health and leos and you know other it may not be aligned with um <clears throat> with the specifics that the the incumbent team management team is looking for I feel super strongly about this. If you're not aligned to the company financials and have some measures that tie into that, and you are talking marketing, unless you are in a pure consumer goods place, that is going to put you, it's going to make you misaligned with the rest of the company. Uh, but but so I'm a first time CMO. How do I get those expectations set correctly? Particularly if I'm if I have career, what did you call it? career promiscuity? Yeah. Uh, uh, if I have that and I want to move, how do I make sure I move to the right place for me, particularly if I'm changing industries? Like, give advice to our, our listeners and up and comers. What should they be looking at when they think about that move? And then during the interview process, what should they ask and negotiate? Yeah, yeah I think that's a really good question. And, you know, I think it starts with understanding. Um, as I call them, who the rock stars are, but, but what are the influences in the company? What drives the business? How are how success measured? And therefore, how will marketing success be measured? And, and be completely transparent along the way, starting with understanding your own measurements. You know, if you're to achieve whatever your bonus goal is, aside from the company performance piece of it, for you specifically, what are those measures? And, and you know, know what those are and um, keep track. You know, a, a lot of time, I think for just kind of good career hygiene, people will boast that they haven't had a resume in a long time. I think it's a healthy practice to record what your accomplishments are along the way, including what those results are. And they should be some kind of facts or figures, either share of market or EBITDA or some measurement statistical goals. And, uh, and keep track of those in your resume as well as, you know, for your own performance review and make sure that you're being maybe even overly transparent, that you are 
particularly if you're new to the company and new to the industry, check in, check in regularly with your boss and communicate, hey, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm doing, here's how I'm going to measure it. Um, and, uh, you know, if there's misalignment along the way, it should be flagged. Yeah, I, I would say in a lot of jobs that, are, that we're having, I think we're going to have a, a business professor who studies this on the show uh, later. Uh, but one of the things they they are going to call out is that the expectations of the job are inconsistent across the C-suite and sometimes between the board and the CEO and then surely with the marketer. How do you as the search firm and have the candidate get alignment on those expectations? Because the expectations can kill you uh, if you come in and, and they're different across your peer group in particular. Yeah. I think that's I think that's right. And um, I mean, it starts with our position spec. So we've developed a position spec, a, a job description, if you will, up front. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you know most companies do this when they're recruiting. But make sure that those specific things that you're going to be measured on, what are the desired outcomes, the first year deliverables, what are those? And if you re if you sense that they're starting to change, you know, it, it's on you to to say, hey, I'm aiming my um, my results toward this, this, and this, and it becomes something else, then it becomes, you know, you've got to recognize that. I, I've also seen a shift in, you know, our, our job specs from years ago used to outline um, the size of them. They still outline the team and kind of, and the resources, but marketers lens, I think, has shifted or should have shifted from being, you know, how big is the budget and how big are the resources to being a growth-oriented marketer. Uh, maybe the budget's too big. Maybe it's being spent completely wrong. And don't look at it as a static resource for you to spend from, but one where that's supposed to drive business. And what are the results that are going to come from that? And maybe you should be outsourcing and you know using agency to not have such a big internal team or vice versa. It depends on you know, what the business is and what the skills that you have there. But you're being looked at as a business partner and not as the arts and crafts leader. <laughs> the arts, the promiscuous arts and crafts career changer. I love it. The, uh, I, I, I think this is a very important point, which is the alignment of expectations, but then also the, if you are not the growth driver of the company, it is really, I think, hard to stay in job and do a great job because you're at that front end of the technology, the customer and the company. And if you're not bringing the consumer insights to the company on how to grow or what to do about growing, and you're just doing the marketing, you're kind of doing the marketing in a vacuum uh, because if you've got to get the growth going. You know, if, if they want a marketer to um, help with their appearance, their website, um, their brand in the marketplace, uh, through PR, social media, et cetera. That's one thing. And marketing may not be seen as a driver for growth. And you have to, you have to appreciate and understand that, um, the role that marketing is, is going to play in a business like that per the management team and what they've decided. Uh, I think if you come in as a marketer, um, thinking that you're going to change that, and that you're going to make this company uh, marketing driven, you, you may become frustrated because 
it may never it, it, it won't work that way if if it hasn't been determined that it's going to be marketing driven. That I, I, that is a very big expectations point, and I think the other thing that I would encourage people in this position to look at is the expectations of what marketing can do. I think sometimes when I've talked to other CMOs in, in position, the marketing can't fix a core business problem. Um, but if the company is turning CMOs over every two years and you guys are getting all those placements, it might be that all these CMOs are no good. Or it might be that they're moving on to different careers, but also it might be that the company is not addressing the core problem and is having the hoping that marketing can fix that. Can you? Is, is that a good observation by me? Yeah, that? I think I think that's absolutely fair, and I think it's you know industry specific and company specific. You know, it's kind of an ethos of what role they think marketing plays in the organization, and you know, it, it, it's on you coming in to join a company to be able to test that and figure out um, uh, tolerance or interest for what marketing can can bring to the organization. And when you when Spencer is in the search discussion and they realize the company has a core business problem and they're churning over people, what do you try and tell the company about that? Like how that's a dicey little place for the search firm to to say maybe it's not the marketers or maybe it's not the people you're bringing in, maybe it's on you. Is that something you can talk about to us? Well, I, I think it's like other professional search, professional businesses, you know, yeah. being an agency or um, consultant or lawyer where you have to point. I mean, if it's going to get in the way of us doing our job, yeah, we have to point that out. And we guarantee our placement for a year and don't want to have to be redoing the search because of something that we did foresee. So we do raise it. And, and one of the ways we get to that a lot of the time is we'll ask to speak to um, other people who will be interviewing the candidate or other peers in the organization and get their take on what the job needs and frankly, what's happened, you know, if there has been turnover in the role and create some kind of uh, um, <clears throat> backdrop to our understanding of the situation and what's happened, you know, and why they've struggled to keep people or why marketing hasn't made an impact. And, uh, you know, we need to be successful in doing that up front. And when searches, when searches become difficult, if we go back and look at that, it's usually because there's some kind of misalignment from the start in, in our process. Got it. Thank you. Hey, well, I, you know, I started my career at P&G and you had a lot of P&G exposure and there's all the consumer goods training grounds that used to produce a, a lot of the CMOs. Does, does the consumer goods training matter like it used to? Uh, so as I you think, look, yeah, I think the, you know, we call it classically trained, but yeah, the consumer training, I think it's, it's great training, uh, and very versatile for a lot of different things. So I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't diminish that at all. Um, but also if, if you're interested in, you know, video games as an industry or software, whatever it is. You don't necessarily have to go to Minneapolis and work on packaged cereals for three years before going someplace else. You know, if you, yeah. marketing can take on a lot of different forms right from the start um, and should, you know, it should, you should follow what what excites you and what interests you most. Hey, so you mentioned earlier that you have a lot of C-suite practices and coaching and advice yeah. that you give to boards and, you know, the whole executive suite of companies. 
If you could tell just a general statement to all the boards out there, all the CEOs, CFOs, and all the folks in the exec suite, how to get the most out of the marketing function, what advice would you give them? Wow. What advice would I give them? So I think you have to understand what role you want marketing to play in your organization. And I do think that marketers, while they certainly can cross industries and bring a lot of uh, new thinking to a different industry, their talent of what they're really good at may or may not line up with what your business goals are and what you want out of a marketer. So I think you have to kind of understand that first. You know, like you went from retail to financial services to, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call ancestry. Uh, Subscription, yeah. But in each case, sort of your your technology, your particular know-how was really deeply about the consumer, the end user. And I know you, like most marketers, have always had a B2B component, you know, along the way. At farmers, I mean, your brokers are a significant, you don't call them brokers. I don't know agents, agents, agents. Your agents are a significant B2B customer. For they you. are, yeah. And very important. But what gets you motivated and excited is the consumer piece, right? Right. And I think that, you know, so there's a, First of all, there's a big separation between the, those who are turned on by B2B and B2C. But even within each of those, there are areas where the marketer is going to um, dig in and, and likely you know, be more successful. I think you have to understand as the board or management team where the CMO intends to dig in, where the, what they intend to deliver on, what they, you know, and, and make sure it's aligned to what the company is, uh, is going after. And then how often, particularly in the beginning, you mentioned, because I think it's a super important, particularly when you're changing industries, that you yeah. are constantly discussing this with the CEO and the rest of the C-suite, because my experience has been a lot of members of the C-suite will see the job differently, no matter how much you give them the job spec. Uh especially if you have what I'll call a blended C-suite from multiple industries, they will bring their history of what marketing does into that C-suite. They won't read the job spec and then they will ask, where is this? And I, I will say I spend a third of my time managing the, almost any company I've transitioned into to make sure that that is as good as it can be. And it's yeah. still not always that good, but yeah. Well, I, I think you've got to do like an internal campaign, you know, if you're a marketer. I agree with this. Or what, what it is you're doing and what, and particularly what you're measuring, you know, hit the drum on, you know, we're going to measure this, this, and this. And when people come back and say, well, where is that? It's like, well, that's cool, but that's not what we were going after. You know, we, we were, that wasn't the focus of what we were trying to do here. And you have to be, you know, your own advocate. Um, and proselytize whatever it is that you as a marketer are focused on. Yep. And, and as importantly, you know, point to the things that you're not going to be doing. And I, I do think you're right. I think people do come to, you know, you know, a CFO may have crossed a lot of different industries. His or her function probably isn't all that much different. It's still numbers and dollars, but their interpretation of what marketing is going to, A, what it's going to cost and what it's going to bring uh, varies hugely. 
Yeah, the, the other thing, I've always had one scorecard, and that's a marketplace scorecard, not a bunch of individual functional scorecards, because I think it's the marketplace that matters the most. But even with a marketplace, what, what is it? Is it sales? Is it share of market? I, for me, it's always it's sales, uh, margin, retention, and if I can do market share, because then I could translate that into financials usually. But but in the end, if all your marketing is not producing sales at some profitable level, and if you're not retaining the folks you get in, you are not going to make the long-term financials work for the company. And and all your stuff, in my mind, should ladder up to, to that kind of story uh, because that's kind of the story that everybody gets uh, at, at acquisition and you know brand and all that. Although it's super important, but it's not the end. The end is usually the sales, the retention, and the profit. Um, and I, I like the team to be thinking about that. Hey, hey, so Tom, is there any funny search story you can share without incriminating anyone uh, on on the marketing front, or just an interesting one? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a story because you reminded me of it from our time uh, knowing each other for so long. This is in. Um, it's not a search story and you'll have to decide if it's funny. I'm chuckling when I remember it, but uh, I worked at the now defunct Wells Ridge green um, on Procter and Gamble business. And my then wife was your, your account person uh, at the same agency. And we had among other accounts that are no longer around the Savin copier account, which made like the, I guess they're not around for a reason right now. We also had the Pan Am airlines account. Um, and the creatives who worked on Pan Am were there at all hours because, you know, rates changed and they had to change the uh, manually, essentially change the advertising. Um, and one night, late at night, the creatives were in um, the copy room and inevitably the Savin copier was not working as it should have. And one of these creative leaders put his fist through the plate glass. And, you know, the plate glass on those copiers is like. Yeah, that's like, really a, that's like a Superman punch. Okay, so bleeding profusely out of his wrist, pulls all the innards from this <laughs> crummy copier all over the place. There's blood and wires and glass in there. The next day, Mary Wells Lawrence, who was the, the sole owner of Wells Rich Green and ran it with a very tight fist, mm. was furious and wanted to know who was responsible for such a thing. And there were 12 creative directors who came in with bandaged arms. <laughs> solidarity. Well, it's like I am Spartacus. Uh, all right. So, Tom, last question before we end the show. Any advice or thoughts you'd give our listeners as we, we move to close the show that we haven't talked about so far? Um, advice? You mean for, for marketers? Yeah. Or, people? Or, or, or advertisers, any, anybody. Like, you're talking to the marketing yeah. and advertising community. Tell them anything you want to share before we, we ring off. Yeah, I, I think it's super important to stay curious. I mean, that's what brought you to the, the function in the first place. And um, I think that's what's going to compel you to your next job and stay curious about things that uh, excite you or that you recognize in passions of your customers. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. And thanks to all of our listeners of, for listening to CMO Confidential. 
Look for our other shows on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple, which include what your agency wants to tell you but won't, what private equity really thinks about marketing. Is the CMO job headed for extinction? Uh, and what it's really like to be a marketer in the B2B startup world. All right. Hey, all you marketers, stay safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off for CMO Confidential. This episode of CMO Confidential is produced and sponsored by Adcom, one of the premier integrated marketing and advertising agencies. Adcom works with mid-market companies to create measurable returns. With 30 plus years experience, Adcom partners to lead innovative strategy, creative, media, and analytics for growth-oriented brands that want to differentiate themselves in a crowded field. Working in B2B, B2C, healthcare, financial services, transportation, building products, and consumer goods, Adcom leverages unique internal and external insights to create dynamic and lasting brands ready to maximize their market position. For more information, visit us at engageadcom.com. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Are you tired of the same old productivity hacks? Have you read the top 20 books on effectiveness and yet your work days and email inbox still causing anxiety, burnout, and even depression? Ready to learn the latest in brain-based modalities, techniques, and technologies to optimize your success and well-being? Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast where we'll illuminate your path to spacious productivity and balanced thriving. Each week, we dive into deeply insightful and immediately impactful methods to help you become highly effective while promoting health, profitability, and well-being. Say goodbye to the trance of busyness and hello to your highest potential. It's time to discover a new way of accelerating your mission, growth, and purpose. Join us on the Focus to Evolve podcast and get ready to live your most joyful, productive, and fulfilling life.